<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Get ready, buckle up. We are caffeinating for this week's edition for Take Two. Everyone does have their caffeine yes. on the table. And we are ready to break some news, talk about stuff that's mm-hmm. happening. So we've got some inside info. So Mara Carabello with the Exoro Group, Greg Hughes of the lobbyist and former House Speaker Kind is here, and Heidi Hatch, just a plain old news anchor and journalist. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. The power broker, the one that speaks to all of Utah. And it's also feeling like day. winter again, which we'll get to in a minute because it's uh, flooding God. and sunning and all that. Uh. But we're going to talk about some news that's kind of breaking uh, a little bit earlier today. If you've been following this nationally, the FBI has arrested a 21-year-old Air National Guardsman who is suspected of leaking those classified documents that had information about Ukraine and China. And the weird thing is, Mara, we were just talking about this, that this was out there for months in the gaming sphere. So there was just a bunch of nerds, maybe a handful of five or six talking about it. And then someone at some point was like, you know what, this might be of interest. So really interesting. It's over a couple of months. Like you said, it's been out there for, I think, since March. It wasn't until someone put it on Twitter and that all someone of a put it on Twitter, mainstreamed it yeah. from a gaming site. The other interesting thing is clearly um, the government is keeping up in real time. They they seem like they're scrambling to keep ahead, and it matters. We've heard from Blinken. We've heard, I mean we've heard from the Secretary of Defense, the Secretary of the uh, of State. We've heard from the National Defense, like like we've heard from the Biden administration. They are pulling out a lot of big guns to talk about it. But when they're talking about it, they're assuring us they haven't managed. They're assuring us that they're yeah. ahead of it. And I'm not saying this is a criticism. They I think it is us happening. That the in Chinese real balloon time. didn't get any they, um, intel right. while I was flying across to you. Yes, they did. But true. it's yeah. clearly keeping up real time. I mean, as you said, Heidi, this is an arrest that's been made. So they must have some confidence. But we were talking about this on the air. He's a 21 year old, super part time National Guard, National Guardsman from Massachusetts. Yeah, I wow. just. Wow. There has to be somewhere in the rules, like you don't let children or young young people that are just barely twenty one, uh, working part time in the military, uh, have access to our military and our country's most sensitive secrets. Can we just? Is that just? Is that just? The question a, is, is that just a rule? It seems like a we good have to rule. say that out loud. But my, I have family in the military. My dad served for twenty years. My brother serves, and he serves in the Air Guard in intelligence. Okay. And I don't know if I can talk a lot about what he does, but, and I don't know how Please young don't, he started doing it. Please don't, because then you'll have to it. kill us, and yes, that'll be awkward. We don't awkward. have to do that. Yes. He doesn't really tell me what he does specifically, too, but I do know that as his full-time job, he works in intelligence. He also has a National Guard job. There's crossover in them, but I don't know how much access you have at a young age. Is your brother age. 21? He's not young. Yeah. He did start at a young age, but I don't think he probably had access, but I do wonder if some of the higher-ups have somebody who's younger who prepares their briefs for oh. them on a daily basis or something like that. But well, in hindsight, I'd say that's know. a bad idea. We don't yet know if he was given access or took access, right? We don't True. yet know if he was sanctioned. Log in rule number and two, it. don't even have it available for them to steal. Wow. That's my that's my well, next Well, the problem is, is if he works in intelligence, you know, it's obviously available yes. to some extent. I'm available. I is. consult on public policy. I can consult on this with the military. So there is the... Don't let 21-year-olds... 
near your importance. Th there is a lot of moving parts on this. I mean, yeah. we've got a ton of foreign relations that this has uh, really impacted. An ongoing war in Ukraine, which is, I think, impacted by this. Plus yeah. then this issue of security in America. So, like, this is, this is a crisis communication setting in which they will need to assure us for several weeks. Yeah, and when we're working with other countries, I think people want to have confidence in us. And I think after Ukraine, at least, um, not Ukraine, after we're exiting from Afghanistan, I think we're in a rebuilding phase where we're trying to prove to other countries that we're grownups, we do things right, we dot our I's, we cross our T's. If you work with us, we'll keep you safe. But this doesn't exactly instill confidence. So I was going to ask a question, but I think I've answered it myself. The Pentagon Papers, when they were when there was classified documents leaked yeah. about you know the Gulf of Tonkin and and who really started the war or, or conflict with uh, North Vietnam, I think most people looked at that as, as as important to find out that it wasn't as shared by the the president LBJ at the time that they they are they said North uh, North Vietnam had fired upon the United States, the Pentagon Papers said otherwise, but maybe that why that was a good thing and this is not a good thing is that this is. Yeah, this is intelligence in real time, mm -hmm. and maybe that was looking backwards in time. Mm -hmm. Would that be it? Because there are times where people have thought that the leaking of government documents has been important or good, but I, I think the consensus right now is that it's not. What's well, the I think certainly, make anyone the and, and I mean, compare this to our reaction to WikiLeaks, too, right? Yeah. And this feels a little different, actually. This feels like people are pretty protective of it, yeah. want to know. Now, we don't know much either. Yeah. Which is probably a good thing if it's It'll supposed be to be protected see. intelligence. <laughs> but, but yes, you, you want people held accountable, and I think that sometimes in recent years accountability seems lacking. We still don't know who leaked this Supreme Court, and I feel like if we have you know the greatest investigators in intelligence, we could figure that out. You know, that's and funny. This, honey, I had that same thought. For some reason, that conflated. With, I was like, you know, the Supreme Court leaks. Now we've got... <laughs> I, I don't know why yeah. I was so annoyed with this. I don't need I don't need us to be yeah. bush league when it comes yeah. to yeah. Seriously, I, I'm with you on that. I like you know. See, it's probably classified for a reason. I'm assuming. I mean, I'm, it's probably pretty important. So. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of bush league, um, I don't want to criticize anyone, but I do have some questions that I hope that you guys will criticize people. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. I'm so, always game for that. You know. So I'm here. mother nature here right now on re um, like. Her fury is here. So we've got the hot day. We had 83 degrees, which a couple days ago broke records here in the great state of Utah for being the warmest day in April. Well, we've got all this snowpack. Thankfully, it only lasted one day. But then yesterday, it was in the 70s. Uh, we had some serious flooding. We had it in Kaysville, where we saw an entire road just buckle and be torn up. We saw some in Ogden. I saw some in Roy. And then last night, late last night, um, Immigration Creek started flooding in Salt Lake City. And we were seeing these emergency calls from Salt Lake City's emergency management team saying, please, we need people to come sandbag, you know, uh, bring your gloves, bring your shovels. But my question is, Greg, I'll let you go first on yeah. this. Are we waiting too late? I'm not an, exp an expert on emergency management. I just talk about it on TV. <laughs> but it seems like we knew that this, we had a ton of snow. It was going to melt. Do we sandbag and get people out there before it happens, have them waiting in a dump truck? Or are we doing this the right way when it happens? Neighbors come together, kumbaya, and we solve the problem in real time. So flooding is dear and dear to my heart. I have a higher sense of empathy yes, or degree do. of empathy because of what Are happened to me. Are you flooding? Not People yet. Ask it's me actually all the time. yeah. So the, the groundwater. I have a hole big, big enough underneath my floor that I can see the right. groundwater rise and right. go down, and it's not near my floor. And I have a pump, so I, I'm good right now. Okay. But I will say this: it's a really good question, and I 
what I've learned from my experience back in January and what I've watched throughout this uh, winter and, and spring is that your storm drains, and those storm drains are different than maybe your a, a, an under-drain system that a developer will put in for whatever. The storm drain system is, a, is something the city maintains or a county maintains. Most of the time what I'm hearing when you see the flooding is there's a blockage. I would have thought maybe because I'm so close to it now, but I think with all this talk about the snowpack and the runoff coming, that making sure our storm drains do not have blockage, that there's not debris, anything else blocking the way, should be something that we, we'd be, we would be proactive about. Because the sandbags, that's getting a little ahead of it. It's hard to put up sandbags when you don't know what's coming or when it's coming. But storm drains, not having clogs, I think every political subdivision should be... N- comfortable with the fact that their storm drains are clear and unobstructed. So that's so where I think there I'm could be a gonna, little bit closer uh, on behalf attention of paid. all the public utility workers. I'm going to eye roll with you uh, to you and to say, me. you know, absolutely. But they know that. But the so why does it block up? Because it blocks up potentially whenever water's flowing. So like Heidi can be on the ball and check it Wednesday at 10 o'clock. That doesn't mean. So you're talking mostly about debris and limbs, right? And it's real time. So so they have to unblock constantly. I, but yeah. I think you're right, Greg. The challenge is not so much the water. It's the the pipeline it's in, whether yeah. that is a natural riverbed. It is, if the water can keep flowing, it will flow right on away by and large. I mean, we might get a little more volume in two weeks. But right now, what is causing that? I think it's a combination, too, of... Are the cities prepared and are we prepared? Because we've been being told for weeks to get our sandbags. Mm-hmm. And you know that not many of us were like, we will totally do that if yeah. it looks like I need to. So I think the nature of preparedness is that there's always the majority of us that didn't heed it. I will just say this, though. I agree with what you just said. But in the experience in Draper, yeah. uh, some of this is an accumulative effect. Where some of these yeah, creeks, your flooding is different. Where there's a creek, or there's other areas where there's runoff over time. Yeah, uh, there's not been a lot of scrutiny paid, so there it's maybe it's a little more narrow, or some of these uh, drains or, or grates aren't. They're a little more obstructed over time. Those are the things that I think there should be really some preparation and making sure that there's not an accumulative effect in some of the storm drain systems. Which I I would imagine if you lived in a drought and you haven't had anything for a long time, you would see like we did in our city, but. That's the stuff I think. I'm, I'm not talking like follow the log all the way down. Yeah, as this year I do wonder if there are blockages because I don't know if you remember, but in the fall, most of us didn't have our leaves raked up when yeah. the first snow came yeah. and they just started rotting and they were in the curbs and the gutters. I don't know. I've been wanting to call up my city and be like, all right, have you taken the drains off? Are you digging those out? Because I know it took us till we had a really weird couple days where things kind of melted and we can go up there and, you know, clean up the mucky leaves in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking there's probably a lot of garbage in our drains right now. I do know Salt Lake County is, has been working night and day for a long time on this issue. Correct. They think this is the biggest issue. Um, And and that's where where I'm gleaning this from. Cities take over a little bit when it comes to sandbagging and other things. But on, on, like Salt Lake County, I do know has taken the long view on this, but it does seem like already, we we had a day of I want to say fifteen twenty places, in, from you know, pretty much Weber Davis on down. Um, it does seem like there were a couple areas where you're like, seriously, we couldn't have prevented that. And there were some brand new neighborhoghoods too, where you think they that one up that in huge Hayesville. sinkhole. Yes, Shoosh. 
I know. And the thing is, is we keep talking about yeah. how we have um, a better system than we did in 1983, which I believe we made a lot of changes. So hopefully we don't have a state street river. But at the same time, think about the exponential growth that's happened in the state since 1983. Lots change. Right. We have a lot more people, a lot more people dumping stuff in the gutters and down the drain. So, all right. The grand experiment continues. More to come. Too. I, have a, I have a question. Yeah. Is there anything, is there any equivalent to Bangor's pumps mm-hmm. that we're going to see with $2 billion or whatever the amount is that the state has set aside for the Great Salt Lake, but then seeing how much water is coming and, you know, all, you know, the, the, it's lift. What's going to happen or what, what could we do? What could, what would we spend $2 billion on right now that the cycle oh, of, of the, of the, of the, you know, temperature snowpack doesn't kind of take care of itself. You had that 83 year, you had Bangor say, look, we got to put these pumps in here so we don't have this again. Pumps were never turned on ever again. What, we were prepared to spend a lot because we thought that the lake effect was gone because the lake had shrunk too much. There certainly is a lake effect. We're seeing the cycle of the of the weather. Is there anything you see on the horizon that the state would try to do to handle any of this that in hindsight will go, wow, was that a waste of money? I know now we're itching to use the pumps. Is there? Well, okay, so my perspective would be it is super critical that we focus on restoring not only the water level to Great Salt Lake, but the ecosystem to Great Salt Lake. But if we have that as the only goal Mm -hmm. and not one of the goals, I do think you'll see follies in (laughs) overcorrecting to other sources. And I think if it's the the lake and nothing else, you will see a lot of resources spent that at the end of the day end up hurting us more. So for me, so we'll create a problem on the other end. Somewhere. I think our, our sort of obsessive focus, or it'll be a waste of our money. singular focus, those, those those pumps being the you know the visual of that. Well, and and to the same rationale for it, mm-hmm. we only have so much water. So when you get fixated on one solution for water, I think inevitably it's a yeah. folly at one point. Yep. I still want to pipe in some ocean from California to us. Yeah. And speaking of that, um, solving the world's problems. I want to talk about one other water issue really quickly, but the White House is getting involved in the Colorado River, and they laid out several options this week, and one of their options was to cut, um, make water cuts evenly across all the western states that share the water. And right now, Utah, I don't think, has as big a say as other states in it, even though the, we use about 27% of the water in Utah comes from the Colorado River, which is actually a pretty big percent, and 60% of Utahns benefit from the river. Um, the question I have, Mara, should the federal government be helping us since we're not solving the problems ourselves, or is this really a state's issue where states need to sit down, sit around the table, and figure this out? Because we actually have people in Utah who are specifically supposed to be looking at this issue, this one part of our water problem. Yeah, so the people who are assigned to look at this issue are actually there on behalf of the seven-state model in the compact. So the federal compact is seven states. You can kick me when I went to into the Wonkland. I should share that uh, Mara is our <laughs> in-house water nerd. I know. So that's why Mara gets get to go first. This is when it turns into a seminar. At home. This is where we need YouTube See, no, no, to I'm actually put the whiteboard up there or the are PowerPoint. There seven states, western states, that use the Colorado River. The Colorado Compact is one of the the Mm -hmm. longest-standing compact in American history. It also includes Native American tribes and Mexico. But (laughs) what they... I'm done. And then the Bureau of Interior is actually who manages this. 
Listen, there's an AP history test after and then this, Greg Hughes. If you'll move to slide four. <laughs> yeah, so, please, keep so, going. This um, is riveting. They gave two solutions. Podcast. And what I loved about their preferred solution, so Utah signed on on the second one, which six other states signed yeah. on to. The first solution that it looks like is going to rule the day is to say to the lower basin states, which is California and Nevada, yeah. hey, y'all are the ones that are overprescribed, and the, you need to cut your water usage by about 25%. That... I hope is the solution that fits mm -hmm. because one of the things we need to understand, Utah's part of the upper basin and we can't use too much because we're only allocated a percentage yeah. and we only get that percentage after the lower basin has gotten their fixed amount. So we never waste because we just don't get. <laughs> and that's a so, really good detail. And that so, actually, for all my kidding, that's actually really important <laughs> to say that we can't even claim our, our allotment share. until they get their full amount so downstream. So the, the lower basin, California, Arizona, are whining. You say, yeah, but guys, you guys are the ones who screwed it. You're the ones who overprescribed it. You're the ones that took too right. much. We may have, but you didn't give us the chance. <laughs> so so yes. I think in this, I what I hope is that plan B um, is chosen because it really does take the states that are overusing the Colorado River. Now, I say that under the pretense, too, of so we've even never had field. it much. Well, I just feel like it holds the states accountable that have over the, the challenge, Mara, will be that, that it sounds more equitable when you say everyone has to take a same percentage cut of your compact. All the states do. It, the, the few people understand that the lower downstream, they're getting their full allotment. And that's why currently Utah doesn't even realize it's the allotment we have now. We don't even get. So to cut us back from a fantasy amount that we don't see because it's fair to make everyone cut back, it's actually not fair. And again, I'll resist the urge, but like that was such an oversimplification. I mean, this is one of the most complicated relationships yeah. that Americans have. And so that was too oversimplified, but I do think that for the first time ever, we're looking at holding people accountable to the amount of water well, that they're it's, using. It, it's, it's incredibly complicated, but it couldn't be more critical because if you look at the census data, there, the Western states is where the population in the United States is growing. Mm -hmm. You have states that are shrinking. The places of highest growth are these Western states. And so you got to have water. There's no there's no population you can sustain without the water. And then so. I will say this announcement was made at the Hoover Dam. And one of the things you have to take into account is both Hoover and Palin Mead have hydroelectric power. So there's also the issue of who's who is subscribed to the power. What do we do with the power? What do we do with the health of those canyons? I mean, it becomes really it's complicated. But I will say one of the things that's heartening is that, and maybe this... <laughs> Maybe this is the first time. But in the history of the compact, which is, again, over 100 years, they've never not come to reconciliation. This is a group of serious-minded, wonky water engineers who yes. will sit at the table with Nerd each alert. other. Nerd yes. alert. And so you don't want to listen, but those are the people you want in the room. It's yes. true. I mean, somebody's got to solve the problem for us. If only we could just spread things out evenly. I think Fort Lauderdale, um, the city specifically, and the airport there – they got um, just yesterday. I saw pictures of twenty-five point nine inches of rain, which is like unheard of. You, I mean, in Utah, you got to wait a long time to get that much rain in twenty-four hours, which was too much for them all at once, too. But um, yeah, yeah, their storm, just... their storm water drain system did not handle that. No, that no, it didn't. It's that's, just, that's a lot of rain. Yeah, that's it a was. lot of rain. It was canals for street. It looked like Venice. 
what it looked like. And let me just want for one more second. But no, oh, two years really? ago, two years ago, the state legislature. <laughs> I never say anything nice about the state legislature. Okay. Two, three years ago, the state legislature formed the Colorado River Authority, and we appointed a commissioner. Yeah. That is actually much more. The structure for Utah is much better matched to sort of keep. Utah's We're place never going to get. We have some okay, breaking fine. news that's super exciting. That the water is going to chase all our listeners away because they're going to be okay, done. Okay, I know. Our... Stick around no, for it. No, they're exercising. Okay, so okay. Um, before we get to the breaking news, I want to talk Mayor Mendenhall for a second. We saw her actually outside last night uh, helping with the flooding where I think a mayor should be. Uh, the chief of police was out there, all the big names. It was also on the same day that uh, Mayor Mendenhall announced that she will indeed run for re-election. I think most of the time when you have a mayor running for re-election, uh, they've got a foot in. They're likely to win. Uh, Greg Hughes, do you believe that she has what it takes at this point to win this election versus the only person I know running against her right now is the former mayor, Rocky Anderson? Or uh, does she have a real dogfight out there for her? Uh, she has a real dogfight. I've lived long enough now where, upon reflection, I think Rocky, Ma- Rocky Anderson was a great mayor. And I don't think it's because I'm seeing what he did differently. I'm just... I'm just remembering he did some things. He spent political capital. He actually led. The problem that Mayor Mendenhall has, and frankly the mayor before her, and the city council is that they have confused convening, listening tours, lip service for actual work or spending political capital. This city, I would love to meet the person who thinks or could show me what about Salt Lake City has gotten better in the last three to four years uh, standing here today than it was back then. I see, I'm in this city every single day. I see the Salt Lake bees fleeing out of here. I see the houses around the ballpark area that are abandoned, that are A, abandoned, B, being burned to the ground on a frequent basis. The homicide rate in, in Salt Lake City, but even that ballpark area, it has never, it, they've, we've never seen numbers like this before. It's, it's a mess. This city is a mess, and I don't think it's on a very good trajectory. I don't even think we're going to, stay static in the situation we are right now. So when I heard the quote from the from Mayor Mendenhall, I refuse to let this city go backwards. I just want to ask, what's that what's the what's the definition of the word backwards for you? Because I I don't see anything that's an upward trajectory to the point where I'm looking at Rocky Anderson going, I would take that. <laughs> I would take Rocky Anderson right now over the inaction that in, that we have inside that uh, that city hall right now. All right, Mara, do you want to agree or disagree with Greg Hughes this afternoon? I always want to to disagree, but sadly, (laughs) on this day, um, I'm a Salt Lake resident, and I've been a small business owner in downtown Salt Lake for 21 years, and I considered moving my office for the first time. I'm a Salt Laker, so I will stay here, but I do agree that this is a city in crisis, and what will be interesting is, in a crisis, you can make a case that the incumbent's in a great spot. Um, she has, from what I understand, a team of six or seven PR people. She is Great. really articulate. She is very personable. And all of those things are attributions in the public conversation that bode well. Rocky is never going to let anyone off the hook for anything. Yeah. Rocky is pretty fearless. I also think you're going to see two or three other people get in. I want to say there's one other person is, whose name I can't remember. Is there going to be ranked choice voting as well? There's ranked choice. Which only. can really like make things go... Yeah, and the deadline for ranked choice voting is May 1st, and Salt Lake City is the only major city, I think, that's going to stay in on ranked choice voting. That could make all the difference Mm. in the strategy. 
And we haven't seen, I think Mendenhall won because she was a great campaigner and she's really good at public relations. She's but very good at that. Yeah. I she do is. think. I'll, I'll give her that. I for do sure. think that the stats on Salt Lake City, um, to use the, the adage we all draw from now is, I'm not sure many people feel like they're better off now than they were four years ago. Yeah. I, she has such a high emotional intelligence in terms of her, her ability to connect and public relations wise. That it's it's what makes I give she is the incumbent so she has the advantage but honestly people have to vote in their best interest and if you're looking at a race and you're looking for someone to lead this city and you're thinking about your best interest not who's who's more articulate or who uh, whose presentation you thought was more pleasant but what is your best interest I don't know how you stay with the status but quo it, that's such an interesting thing because I think that's really hard for you Tom's so what I would say is I would never tell you that I don't like Aaron Mendenhall I won't tell you well, that I, I don't yes, think she's sincere I, I yep. won't tell you that I don't think she's working hard I don't I'm not vilifying her I don't think she's very good at the job we've asked her to do but I, I like her and I think she's a good servant so can voters differentiate can they, yeah, can they? between whether they it's, like somebody at, or and they're qualified and if you and want to effective. be the mayor of salt lake city and you just forgot anything that happened in the past and you're just looking at this city today if you want the job of making this city better than it is right now that is a heavy lift and yeah. it is not necessarily going to make you incredibly popular right. in what you have to yeah. do to make this city stronger and better and uh that's what you got to look at in terms of a candidate, someone that's going to do the things that might be unpopular. I will be interested to see how that plays out because if you were to look at um, comparing, let's say, um, Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson to the Salt Lake City Mayor, they are vastly different in their PR approach, and I think that the Salt Lake City Mayor's done a vastly different job, whether it's lighting on her interviews or where she's at and when she's there. I think she's done an excellent job at that. And I think that the other question is, how long are people's memories? Because I think a lot of people were very upset um, in the middle of the pandemic when the riots were going on on Salt Lake City streets and what was happening um, with the mayor's office and the uh, police department at the same time. Will that be something that is in, you know, top of mind when we're dealing with other problems or is that bygones be bygones and people move How on? How bad the SLCPD is right now is reason enough to kick her out. That yeah. chief is yeah, one of the a, worst that's, chiefs. That's the and that's as a, a progressive, a in a progressive city, to see them use undue excessive force, to see them having killed more people than ever, to have no discipline, to have no way... He, he keeps people who have lied. He keeps people who have committed crimes. This is the least community-minded, least and, progressive police department. Let's go across the spectrum. Uh, you just heard me. you've just heard Mara's reasons. How about mine? They don't they don't actually pursue the crimes, the, the property crimes, the, the trespassing. The you things. back police in this state. So. I do, and I'm telling you what. There used to be, and I'm a business owner here, and there used to be a program that we were signed up for that if the police had been called to your property, you got a report that would let you know that there were that the police were called there. And that was a very useful thing as a property owner. They've done away with that. It doesn't well, happen And now anymore. we're touting a response like, time that's me? in the bottom third of the U.S. Like, we used to be in the quickest response time to 911. You have a 911 problem in Salt Lake City, you better be prepared to handle and, and it so yourself. You, you, you can't even spot the problems with public safety or law enforcement from one cut from one political cloth. I think across the board there is just systemic failure but your question was about the riots in the May of 2020, and I think that's long gone from people's yeah, memories. I don't think anyone will remember. I think law enforcement will. Those that went uh, to help in that, st in that instance, and then the mayor came out the next day and said, 
if any of you were harmed by law enforcement, let me know. And there's some members of law enforcement had bricks thrown at their face. There were some injuries. I, I don't think law, members of, of law enforcement appreciated that approach. Well, even the very left-leaning district attorney, Sim Gill, spoke out against um, the response during that time, too, which was interesting. Usually you wouldn't see that kind of break. But it'll be interesting to see what sticks. I mean, I uh, uh, another uh, broadcast that we won't mention just did a three-part series. It was one of the most indicting, scathing. <laughs> I was like, whew. And it was, a, it was about... Um, the Salt Lake City Police Department. You're allowed to talk about and it. We're, we Fox, recognize, yeah. Fox did a three-part series with a local reporter yeah. that tracked down two officers, the discipline, the, what they did, and what Chief Brown's response was. And I don't know how you can watch that and find it acceptable that that person is still leading on such an important issue. Anyway, all right. You guys agree. are green so Put much a today. It's weird. Boy. I know. That was, we gotta, that, was, that was something. That all right, we're going to go to our breaking news segment. We, we buried the breaking news. That's we not how we do lead. news segments. Yeah, we buried. But, we buried the lead. Okay, so I wanted to talk about the fact that Senator Mitt Romney filed paperwork, which may or may not be surprising to mm-hmm. other people. But apparently someone else who's going to share our breaking news is ready to uh, maybe throw a half hat into the ring. Yeah, so it's it's just breaking in real time as we've been on this podcast um, that uh, Speaker of the House Brad Wilson uh, has announced an exploratory committee for the 2024 U.S. Senate race. Uh, it this an exploratory committee uh, committee is interesting because uh, there is an FEC filing, but there's some things you can do. I think this is good for a Speaker of the House, having been one, to really have a, a robust tour of this whole state hear back from people you know you get into you can hear from the inside baseball world what people what the opinions of senator romney the current senator is or isn't but i think that it, it helped me at least to really start to get to meet people from across the state listen hear what they have to say match it up with what you believe the world looks like but i can tell you from this announcement that what you're hearing from speaker brad wilson and you pro- maybe the other candidates will step forward too the times that we are in and the the need, the way that Utah does some things pretty well to have uh, some leadership or different leadership in the U.S. Senate representing the state of Utah is clearly on his mind. It's clearly, I believe, on the minds of many Utahns. But this exploratory committee is going to go find out. Does he I have the money and, ba- money and backing to do it? I'm uh, not even talking about technically. Yes. Do you feel like in your gut he's got it? I do. I think that he is a unique candidate and that his fundraising ability and his personal resources uh, allow him to run a race, frankly, far better than one I could run when I tried to run statewide. He's got, he, he'll have those resources uh, to run a very robust race. Why does he have resources you don't have? Well, he's, because he's a better businessman than me first. And uh, so he has personal, he has a better, I'm not Howard Hughes. If I was Howard Hughes, boy, we'd have a whole different conversation than Greg Hughes. Mm. But, uh, but he has that. Plus, I think that he's, He's got a lot of the trust uh, and confidence of people that typically want to have strong leadership in in our federal delegation. So it's a really big deal when the Speaker of the House, the sitting Speaker of the House, throws his hat into any arena. To be clear, this is Mitt Romney's seat. So this would be the U.S. Senate seat for 2024 or Mitt Romney's seat. Mm -hmm. I think we'll talk about him in a second because he also did something yesterday. But um, what's interesting, as Greg said, is this is exploratory. My understanding is he's not stepping down as speaker, and he's going to continue to fulfill those responsibilities. Yes. So he really, my understanding is it's really exploratory. It isn't a cute You don't <laughs> sort think of it's a fake step. exploratory. And I mean, I think it's a serious. I, yeah. I think you've clearly gone public with your intent, but I don't think it's it's pageantry. I think he is wanting to see 
what people are saying, mm-hmm. what he feels, what his family um, response is. And so my understanding is, at least for the immediate future, he intends to fulfill the role of speaker while he is considering running for a U.S. Senate seat. Greg mentioned the key reason to do this, though, is to start fundraising or to at least start exploring pledges. And in order to do that, the honorable way to do it would be declaring this early and separating Utah state money, which is has some pretty broad parameters and federal contributions, which have very narrow parameters. And so you see him appear to be walling that off pretty early. But let's, I, I gotta say, there's a, there's a, he's, he's ex- exploring this. And yeah. we have a senator currently that's a Republican that represents the state of Utah. Right. I think it, I'm going to say, he doesn't have, no one else has to say, I think it says a lot that in a seat that's currently held by an incumbent Republican, uh, serving the state of and Utah. And a very strong person who has a lot of power in correct, Washington. Correct. That he is stepping forward, even in this exploratory uh, effort, I think speaks volumes about what this state wants or needs or what we're hearing and the need to hear more to see what kind of race there is. I, I'm telling you that uh, I don't – anyway, I don't remember serious challenges against Hatch this way or others. I just think that, that – I think it says a lot that there's this kind of interest – right now. Senator Romney, um, his news this week, yesterday, was filing his declaration of candidacy. What's interesting is you can take two cuts of this. You can take a cut that says this is business as usual. One of the things that's key about this, much like uh, Speaker Wilson's, is that it keeps your paperwork current on fundraising. Romney has a pretty good nest egg right now and access to a lot of national money. So he's in a really good financial position. Romney has repeatedly said that he is still thinking about it and that he will make his decision in spring to summer. So we're in his Which is timeline. still a very yeah. long Vague, time. Yeah. It feels like sort of a non-committal way of saying, I'm in, but I'm not necessarily telling you I'm in. And so it's kind of confusing. And last week, this isn't some, I guess people leave campaigns and leave offices all the time. But from Senator Mitt Romney's office, he just lost um, a staffer this last week who's going to work with the Miller Group, which I think some people may have taken as a sign that possibly uh, that maybe, you know, people were looking for other jobs because he wasn't running again. That was Kelsey Berg. She's going to work doing politics at the Miller Company, which is an interesting job. She's young and obviously has um, the world at her feet of what she'd like to choose at this point. Would that, without Romney filing, give us any indication of what he's up to, or is it just, well, it's six years, it's a long time, people find other jobs? Romney's in an interesting position because his name ID is so high, his experience is so long, that he is one of the few people who you can't tell (laughs) because he can break late or he can break early because the usual obstacles are resources and name ID and sort of relevance. And whether Romney is relevant for you because you don't like him or whether he's relevant for you because you do like him, we know him. So he's in this very unique position. Normally, I would tell you that for me, all of these markers are telling you that he's not running, but Romney is in a very unique position in which he's got a little bit of time to make those decisions. Um, But Brad Wilson getting into the race changes the playing field. Mm -hmm. Um, Remember the other people who have been, uh, their names have been thrown around, Jason Chaffetz. Two months ago, it was all we were hearing. He's going in, he's making the DC rounds, we're hearing him, we're not hearing that as much anymore. Um, 
uh, Sean Reyes, Attorney because General Because you think Reyes. there's backdoor agreements between Republicans saying, I'll let no, you go for it? Or? No, I think this is the fun time in politics where everyone's yeah. just kind of reading these little micro-tells. Mm. I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, Kelsey Berg, his staffer, has done a yeoman's job uh, reaching out uh, to particularly rural Utah, but she has worked tirelessly for Senator Romney for a long, long time. Uh, you didn't really see him in Utah very often without her close by. Uh, her seeking other, you know, interests and, and moving on. It, it does tell you that someone that you've always seen with him from day one, not with him, means that you know, she's looking for job security or she's moving on to a different challenge. That, that has a tell to it. What I do know for fact is he doesn't know. Because if he did, he'd say, I'm running. It would, it would, it would create certainty. Uh, any, explore, ex, any exploration committee or announcement would be understood as a direct run against him. He has left the door wide open for people to decide whether they'd like to run or not because he will not say one way or another. He's just giving himself more options later. People that, that know uh, Senator Romney better than I do say that he's unpredictable in things like this, that as close as you might feel to him, he could surprise everyone and decide to run. He could decide, I don't want to do it. But what you do know is he's not ready to tell you today that he's a, he's running for re-election. He's not ready to do that. And so... Does this help him keep power in the Senate currently right now if he doesn't tell people? Let's sure, say he doesn't want to run. I don't think run? he is a lame duck right now. And I, I, to continue the narrative of little microtels. I don't think he is because he's chumming he's the water a little bit. I know, yeah. right. But to continue sort of the narrative of microtels, I, I read the Kelsey Burke situation the way you did. I had a lobbyist yesterday who was very persuasive about saying, no, no, no. I heard that Kelsey left so that she wasn't in the federal, she wasn't being paid by the federal side, so she could go run her campaign. So I'm just saying, like, it, this is why it's a fun time. To. Yeah, sure. a fun time of year. I do, um, I do think that for me, the clock is now running on Romney. I, I, I think once someone's in, people have to, momentum starts to play a role. Yeah, and narratives get set, and we start to put adjectives and characterizations on top of things even more than we normally do. So for me, the clock has is officially ticking on Romney. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. This, again, just me sitting here in the cheap seats. I would like nothing more than him to want to run and be removed uh, than to decide I'm retiring and let everyone say, well, he could have won, but he didn't. He served for long enough. He's getting up there in age. He's leaving. Go ahead and run. I actually don't think that the the state will return him to that seat. So if he does run, I think it sends a stronger message. And I think it's a it's a... I think it's a more clear campaign for Senate if you have someone who's represented the state for six years and you have challengers. I think the issues themselves will be more highlighted in an open seat when you're not talking those specific issues. You're just talking about each individual person. They'll have a record or not. They'll be they'll say things in campaigns. I just think there's a great contrast there if if Romney does decide to run, who has a different vision or who takes. How would it go? I just Does like the camp- like I like the campaign Lee better. Bob Bennett race because Lee came in and unseated a sitting senator, which is kind of yeah. Interesting. It, it I mean that those were crazy times back then. The Tea uh, Party days. The tea Party, the but old and tea party it's days. not a, you can't really compare it exactly the same. But I do think there is some sincere concern about the direction of this country right now, uh, and those that have been on the clock, fair or unfair, uh, I would say fair, but. You own it. You own where the world is and what the country looks like right now because you're on the clock. And so that's what Bob Bennett suffered from back then in 2010. I'll just say I like a race where he decides to get in. I'm not afraid. I, I don't, I'm not one who is worried about him getting in. But I do 
but that's me. Does Brad I will close just the say, door or open the door to others? Uh, that's an interesting question. But I, before I answer that, I'm going to say yeah. I do disagree with Greg about the viability of Romney. So yeah. I just want to put Thank on the table. Thank you for disagreeing. I hate that, it when you guys whew, are so I agreeing. know. Well, like, finally, I mean, it's getting way more comfortable in here. If no, you agreed with I, me now, I think that he I was in a parallel universe. still viable. I think that if you're looking at the world through the 25% cap on the ultra-right, which would be the Tea Party we're a and the Mike state. Lee. I, I understand what I, you mean. Yeah, I think that he is much more viable than that. But that's the question. I think normally when you see a strategy of the person getting in first, someone who has the title and credibility of a Speaker of the House, the reason they're getting in, Heidi, is to say to everyone else, bye bye I mm-hmm. have this space. This is my space. So in theory, if the Wilson campaign goes in strong and goes in big, it should deter other people. And if from Mara's him. right, that means he's c- courageous. He's the guy that's saying, "Look, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to look into this, and I'm ready to move forward when no one else has." So I think it's if Mara's right, and there is a viability to Mitt Romney. Um, look at who's ready to take that on, and so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Because I think as much as because we watch politics so closely in this yeah. circle here, we know who Brad Wilson is. But how many people at home who oh. even pay attention to the news don't truly know who he Former is or have Speaker the name Hughes recognition? Speaker can tell you about Yes, I can ID tell you that. We, it's like a cloaking device, okay? Nobody knows who you are. You, you, way more than I actually they know, knew at the time. They know, but they don't know that they know. They don't. Uh, but that's where the resources are so important in that's a race right. because you have to have a narrative that you can convey to people, and you have to do that through the traditional media, the digital media, the the – rallies there's so many different ways you have to create conduits of communication especially when you don't have high name id and i'm going to tell you that takes resources that takes money Uh, that's how you can get on the on the map very quickly okay so brad wilson's in we've got an upcoming interim legislative um session coming up where they have meetings does this mean he's going to get ready and give us the most exciting next legislative session? Because this one, we talked about the organization of it. They came in there swinging. They knew what they wanted to accomplish, and they did. Are we going to see that again next year? Because if he's running, he wants to make sure that his flag is flying and people can see what he's accomplishing. Or are they going to be like, mm, let's back it off a little? Well, I have to I have to tell the, our loyal listeners um, some inside baseball, mm. and that is if that exploratory committee – ultimately becomes a campaign, I don't think practically he will be able to be speaker at the same time because it is at every single day from sunrise to sundown, past sundown effort. You have the you have the conventions in the spring. You have caucus meetings in, in, in March. I don't think if he ultimately decides to run that he would be pre- presiding over that next session. I think it's fair to say right now that when I hear him say he's going to keep his speaker's job and explore, I say, okay. My assessment is you could do both pretty well. By by the session, you cannot do both well. That's so. That by those the, are two more than full. By the jobs. session, uh, Brad Wilson will have decided he wants to be Speaker of the House, or he will have decided he wants to be a full time candidate for the yeah, U.S. Yeah, it Senate. won't. It won't be both. I can't wait for all the gossip coming up at the GOP convention on the twenty second. Is that this month? Yeah, Anyhow, first. Um, I will be there listening to hear what people are talking about because you know people are going to be talking. Mm-hmm. Yes, they will. Yes. It's right. never boring. It is never boring. And hopefully it's not too long, because I'm sure it's going to be a nice day and we're going to want to oh, get outside. it's always long, and they get stuck on the rules. I know. That's the reason not to be a Republican is, oh, like, please. so many so rules. so stuck on all the rules. You hate winning. That's why you don't want to be a Republican, huh? That, that is so right. 
Greg. And someday, Heidi, we're going to review the head-to-head record okay. of Mara Carabello and Greg Hughes. <laughs> I'm we just will happy never that. do that. We will never do it because and you know it's not fair. And we will decide who the you personal cl- podcast winner is. You are very is. clandestine in your efforts, uh, Mrs. Car- Carabello. I'm not. I'm that would not be go fun. We could go that. back for years. I didn't know where you were. Was in the winner's uh, column. Yeah, I hear that as a you concession know what? Just, speech. It's easy. It's easy to say you were involved in all the things that didn't go my way when I didn't know you were there. Concession she speech. Ha- she hid. Well, I'm so glad you guys are disagreeing again and have brought a nice balance to the universe again because so much agreement just gives my skin those itchy feelings. So, whew, this is getting exciting. I can't wait because this is when all the fun begins in politics. So we can't wait it's to see what be happens good. next. Look, I love healthy, I love robust campaigns and debates and battles. I love them. I yeah, think they're wait important. Wait until you see who the Democrats are putting up. Yeah, if the Democrats Ooh. can convince themselves they're even Mara, viable in a statewide race. I have so race. many people who say they want to see you run. Will you ever run? Will you be the candidate we're looking for to um, fend off uh, Senator Mitt Romney no and Brad Wilson? I say with no demure, I just don't know that I'm electable. You know what? I, I actually celebrate that opinion of yours because I would never <laughs> want – I actually think she would be successful, spicy, and I don't want her to <laughs> – and because she would win, and I don't want her to win, so I'm glad well, you don't want to well, run. Let's see Good. what Greg files for next, and I will um, agree. You'll run against I him? I will yeah, agree to yeah. run against him. Yeah, <laughs> that would be hilarious. You do a, you do a real good job. Ooh, I could not wait. Me. That sounds so fun. Uh, Ooh. Horrible. Putting the F.U. in fun. 